You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent Nichols hanging out with me this morning. We're going to talk some NFL. We'll talk and give a little bit of a playoff preview for MLB. But first, I want to talk about Rick Pitino. Dude, how good does it feel outside right now? This is football weather. And you want to talk about some Pitino. I'm just kidding. Yeah, it is football weather. It's It's 50, what, Three degrees outside feels like football weather. This is my time of year. I'm a Scorpio, so I love this kind of weather. <laughs> Thanks for the update, man. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for tuning into the Weather Channel, y'all. It's great. So, Rick Pitino, you know. Uh oh. Oh man. Well, he is selling his house in Louisville, and he is going to go hide and let this thing. He's fester. laying what's, low. What's next? What's next for Rick Pitino, who at one time was, you know, king of the basketball world? ESPN analysis. Does he step back for three or four years and then come back and coach at Akron? Does he ride off into the sunset and spend all his money? Does he take, does he, you know, shop for a gig in the NBA? I don't know. Well, he did. He was actually, from what I heard, he was shopping in the NBA and nobody was interested. Yeah, come on. He's already been with two teams. He was with the Celtics and the Knicks, right? Didn't pan out too hot for him. No, and it's we've talked about it before. It's a it's a completely different animal in the NCAA versus the NBA. And I think Rick Pitino would probably well serve just to lay low for a little while. I mean prostitutes are perfectly fine in the NBA. He should just fall right in. That is an excellent point. I I don't know that that's frowned upon in the NBA. But this thing, the FBI rolled out and decided, I don't know why the FBI got involved in this at the level that it did. Mm. Seems to me like there might be more important things going on in the world than in a, you know, a year-long investigation on something that all of us know has been going on for a very long time. <laughs> and that's what's so funny about it is like Louisville fans – Act surprised somehow. You know that old story about the person, the guy finds a, a sick snake and he nurse, nurses it back to health, and the snake bites him. And as he's dying, he's like, "Why'd you do that?" And he goes, "I'm a snake, I'm dude. A snake. <laughs> I'm a snake." This is the most anticlimactic thing I've ever heard. Yeah, there's there's money being paid to players in college basketball. And I tweeted out, isn't it funny that the FBI decides to crack down when players are being paid, when we know all these handlers mm. and coaches and all the rest of them have been getting money for years, but yet the moment a player gets his hand on some money, FBI's got to jump in and crack down. Um, I think the surprising thing, though, I thought Rick Bettino was smart enough not to be that close to this. Like – it's, it turns out that he was actually 
facilitating it personally. Not to hear him tell it. Okay. Not to hear him tell it. You know, he's that's his MO though. Deny, 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 deny. Make counter accusations. Right. That's the tried and true methodology when you get caught cheating. Deny, 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 make counter accusations. And it served him well in a couple of different instances. And Rick Patino's got a history. You know, first of all, he was found cheating on his wife. Okay. Then you fast forward a few years later and the hooker scandal at Louisville, which he had nothing to do with. He didn't know about it. See, here's the problem with being a leader. Not knowing about it is gross negligence. Right. You're either in charge or you're not in charge. So you don't get to disavow and say, hey, I didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, you had everything to do with it. You're the guy in charge. But he made it out of that relatively unscathed, given the gravity of facilitating statutory rape. And now he gets to be the first out the door in this FBI investigation. Hundreds of thousands of dollars being funneled through shoe companies to the handlers, to these players' families, in exchange for these players going to the proper schools and then ultimately signing with these shoe companies down the road. And And the first two shoe companies to get popped are Adidas and Under Armour. So that's the last of it, right, Trent? Oh, yeah, nothing else. It's done. I thought Nike's in it, too. Are they not in it? I don't think that Nike Nike grassroots, I don't know that anything specifically has been said yet. This thing is all in flux. And you and I know that Rick Pitino is just the first of the head coaches. We both got a pretty good idea who's next. Right. But I want to know how many athletic departments right now are at DEFCON 5. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what's interesting is, you know, we always kind of nod and wink and say, everybody's doing it. You're not playing your players enough. Like, everybody's cheating. And I've never really fully believed that everyone has, but I was listening to Davey Glenn show, and I hate to give him a plug because our show's better than his, but he interviewed. But we haven't been covering the ACC for 35 years. Or practicing law for 20. Man, get over yourself, bro. (laughs) But I will say he did, he has sources that he interviewed a lot of coaches and asked them how many people were cheating, how many coaches are cheating. And it came in between 30 and 50% of cheat players cheat. Uh, I'm sorry, coaches cheating. And that's coaches telling on their peers in the same profession, their product, and on the download, they wouldn't put their name on it, but up to 50 percent of the schools are cheating that is mind-blowing well we won't know what the number is maybe ever i mean the fbi's net is going to go as far as it goes and they're going to catch some folks in there some people are going to slip away here's what i'll tell you is we joke all the time about john calipari john calipari may or may not be engaged in the same type practices that patino is i don't know i really don't because I've had some conversations with some people pretty close to that program who really don't feel like it's happened. And if it has not, you can look at the Kentucky brand and say, okay, Kentucky is a team established, big enough, have the head coach, have the history, have the facilities to attract these one-and-dones without the enticement of 
whatever. Here's what I'll say. You want to find cheating? Find signings that don't make any sense. Yeah. Like uh, Arizona, I think, signed three five-star power forwards in one year. Arizona, we're looking at you. I mean, you know, I'm a homer, but Carolina was going after one of those power forwards. And we lost him to Arizona. I mean, it's not a small program. I would say it was, what would you call Arizona? Above average? Program? I mean, I would call them second tier. Above the blue. They're not a blue blood. We, we've been through that yep. as to who qualifies as a blue blood or not. Arizona's a, a program rich with tradition. They've gotten a little bit ahead of themselves with how they've been able to recruit. It was Brandon Atkins that used, uh, you know, threw them in there. I'm, when I'm talking about things that don't make sense, I'm asking, where's the number one recruit in the in the country going to school next year? Going to do? No. Oh, I thought they got no, number we're one. Talking about Kentucky. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. So, where there's smoke, there's fire. That doesn't make sense to me. And then you look at the history, and I'm not going to throw the young man out there. I'm not. I'm just playing, just playing around here. But he had originally committed to Washington. Then he's like, ah, I'm going to go to Missouri instead. Neither one of those programs has any business with the number one recruit in the country. But you see how quick I said Duke, though, right? Oh, I, know. Nah. I know you did. <laughs> Wishful you got to cut that Wishful out. Wishful thinking. you got to cut that out. I'm you, just still, you give me grief every time I make a joke about ECU, and then you're like, no, let me Duke. Hey, just for the record, I do not think K cheats. So I think he's he runs a clean program. Well, that's going to be the interesting piece of this, is if somebody gets sucked into this that we didn't see coming. And honestly, if if it comes out that Calipari is involved in this, is anybody going to be surprised? And I'm not. I want to make sure Kentucky fan and FBI and you know slander attorneys understand. I'm not saying Calipari did anything, but maybe Calipari is smart enough because he basically got busted at UMass and pretty much Memphis. So maybe he's smart enough to go. You know what? Like you said, I'm going to go someplace where I don't even have to cheat. And I can people, look like I'm a cheater. But I'm not going to have to cheat. That's true. And that's what I'm saying is that he's at that level where maybe he's like, you know what, if that kid wants that, not right for our program. It's entirely possible. And to be 100% clear, because he has been bashed by a lot of people, not the least of which is Bobby Knight. UMass, there was some money going to Marcus Camby. Mm -hmm. Whether or not Calipari knew about it, we'll never know. Memphis, it wasn't a money issue. It's completely different. It had to do with academics and testing, testing and yeah. so on and so forth. So it's not as if Calipari has this M.O., but he is a guy who probably subscribes to the philosophy, if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard. Come on, he is the Bill Clinton of college and, basketball. And Calipari can say, Calipari can be like, listen, you're going to get paid. You got to give me eight months of working your butt off, and I'll get you paid. Yeah, in eight months, and that doesn't even include going to class. I don't yeah. care if you show up or not because you're not trying. Who cares? You're about going your to the NBA. That's Who cares? right. Play me one year, and that's what I'm saying. Maybe Calipari's program and his juice and his track record is enough for these kids that they're like, you know what? I don't care about a hundred thousand dollars on the front side. Let me go through this Kentucky factory. And then go get overdrafted, which most of them do, and make a gazillion dollars in the NBA. But what I thought was interesting, too, is all these guys that are uncommitting to these schools, they have lists of all the other schools that were interested. I didn't notice Kentucky on those lists. 
You know, you you saw the Dukes, you saw UNC on some of them, other schools, but Kentucky wasn't with these boys. Well, he's also done a really good sales job, you know, and all his ESPN shows, basically the free advertising that ESPN just throws. They do hook him up. God, he's always on there for something. He walks into the locker room and hands out the lottery tickets. Yeah. And one by one, they drop them in a bucket because he sells them that you're your lottery ticket. Oh, my God. I roll. Insert. (laughs) I roll here. Because he's basically telling the public these guys aren't short-term thinkers. In terms of taking that money like you're talking about, I'm getting them drafted in the first round. And it's a big commercial. But maybe that's what he does. I don't know. It seems unlikely that he gets run out of two schools, ends up at Kentucky, and basically has an NBA team on his team every year. I mean, how unlikely. At one point, Alabama in football wasn't top, you know, wasn't the best team in the country. They struggled. They had a period of struggling, and then Nick Saban goes there. Yeah, but you're comparing apples and oranges. A college basketball program, you're talking about, you know, 15 kids involved with the entire program. If I can bring in one or two blue chip freshmen, it transforms the game. And that's what's going on with the NCAA right now is it's an arms race for these one-and-done kids. Yeah. So there are some teams out there, there's programs that are like, you know what, we're all in. If we can bring this one kid in there, we can make a run, we can compete for a national championship, and we'll reap the benefits for years to come. The problem is there's a lot of issues with this one-and-done thing, but not the least of which is is that if you're only going to be there for eight months, like Trent said, these players, these young 17- and 18-year-old kids, they're fearless. What's going to happen? They're going to lose their eligibility if they get caught? They don't care. It was only a pit stop to the NBA anyway. So, you know, what's the likelihood that an investigation is going to begin and end and justice is going to be doled out by the NCAA within that eight-month window that they're actually on campus? So when you take that away, you got problems. We'll see you on the other side. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Nobody welcomes us in as good as Greta does. She's got a great voice. Um, We were talking about the NCAA scandal And my man, Chris DeLambert, had to step out of the room. So I'm going to go ahead and bring in. We don't want to get ahead of Jay Bliss because he's ahead of everyone. Everybody knows that. The most funny person in North Carolina. So we don't want to steal anything from, you know, any of his thunder. So in the absence of Chris DeLambert, I'm going to go ahead and say, run that tizzy. 
He's already a comedian with a great reputation for bringing the funny, and now he has a new title, NC's Funniest Person, Jay Bliss. I was a fiend before fiend. I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones and ice cream. On music oriented, so when hip hop <laughs> so we could talk about you know one of the hottest sports that's going on right now. We talk about the top three letters. We talk about the NFL. We could talk about the NBA. Now we could talk about. Let's talk about the FBI. So the FBI came in, and the problem with the FBI is when you get the FBI involved, somebody's going to jail. Like, I did very rarely did somebody not go to jail when the FBI is involved. I think the only person that I know that didn't go to jail when the FBI got involved was Barry Bonds. I still don't know how he got off. I don't know how he got off, but he did. But now the FBI has come in and has basically blew the door open on something that everybody, I'm making quotation marks, everybody knew. What's going on? Corruption in college basketball. Now, college sports, amateurism. People make tons of money on amateur athletes and college sports. We're talking about billions of dollars. Schools are making millions of dollars a year on college athletes, and they're not getting paid. And everybody keeps talking about, oh, they're getting a scholarship. These people are making money hand over fist on these kids. Now, to the degree of what we found out is what I was shocked by. I did not know that the sneaker companies are driving all of this. So that's what made me scratch my head. So what I'm what I'm understanding now, based off the information that I read, and I don't know if everything that I read is true, but so the sneaker companies get the players, the players get with the agent, the agent gets the money, and then there's coaches that are getting paid on the back end as well based off these players who's going to sign with the agent that they've been tracking them since AAU basketball. And the thing that I didn't know was if you had a AAU camp that was supported by Adidas, that more than likely that kid is not going to go to a Nike school, which is crazy, <laughs> which is crazy. So you can have the number one recruit in the nation top player in the nation playing on an AAU team that's sponsored by Adidas, right? You got the top school in the nation that's sponsored by Nike, let's just say Michigan. Not saying Michigan is in trouble, but let's just say Michigan. Michigan used to get in trouble. So let's just say Michigan. <laughs> they go from, they got three of the top recruits. They need one more. They're going to recreate the Fab Five. Now the Adidas player can't go to Michigan because that's a Nike school. It's ridiculous. That's stupid. And the thing that's funny to me is, as I was reading the story, all the people that's involved, and it all started with somebody getting caught by the FBI on something that ain't got nothing to do with the NCAA, and they snitched. That's why things can't get done in society, because you're always going to have a snitch. You're always going to have somebody that's not going to want to do the time, because they're the one that got caught, and they're going to tell same way when you was little playing high seat and you had a good high spot, somebody was high right beside you, they found you, and you were like, come on, man, they got us. That's bull, man. Stop snitching on people. Don't do the dirt if you're not going to stand up and do your own time. That's the problem, man. And it's, it's crazy. So when people start telling me about conspiracy theories and things like that, I always say, conspiracy theories don't work. You know why? Because when there's more than five people that know the truth, somebody's going to tell the truth. 
somebody gonna come out with snitch and tell the truth. So when you say, "Oh man, it's the government," Mm-mm. it can't be because there's too many people that know the truth. And when once somebody get backed into a corner, and somebody gonna spill beans, they're like, "You know what? Let me tell you how the truth will happen." And that's exactly how everything is going down. I cannot believe all this stuff is going down because one dude got caught, and then the dude that make the suits, the dude that be making the, uh, the NFL draft suits, he was involved too. He was the other. He was the other one that snitched. That's crazy. That's crazy. So here's the here's the thing that's bothering me about the whole thing. I want to know how many schools is going to get dragged in. They named six, but you know it's way more than that. And I know everybody is laughing, but the same thing that make you laugh will make you cry. So while everybody laughing at Louisville, <laughs> while everybody laughing, I know it's a lot of Kentucky fans laughing at Louisville right now, right? Buddy. I would just I will hold off on laughing. I really will hold off on laughing. Because at first it was just underarming Adidas, right? But then they just came out and said Nike is involved. Nike grassroots. I'm going to tell you what. Yes. You think, if you think Adidas and Under Armour aren't the tip of the iceberg, you are crazy. Right. I'm going to tell you what. Kentucky fan, hold on to your seats, guys. Yes. Yes. This might be the one. See, here's the thing. This might be the thing because Patino, Patino is done with college basketball. Like, he's done. Like, he might as well just go ahead and try to get into, um, unless he's going to coach like Winthrop or something. Like, he might be able to coach Winthrop. But he's, <laughs> like he's done with major programs, right? So he should probably just try to get a job in the NBA and leave college alone. But watch how many college coaches, coaches right now, right now, start talking about they want to go to the NBA. They're going to try to do it before the, before the stuff hit the fan. I guarantee you. And if you hear Kyle Perry say, yo, I'm about to bounce, or you see Roy say, I'm about to retire, you know that they was involved too. That'll go with Carolina. If Coach K, <laughs> Coach K be like, you know what, this is my last year. I'm like, you know what, man, all these mugs are about to go down. <laughs> you know? You're going to start seeing all these coaches retire. You're going to be like, whoa, y'all lying. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And I'm, I'm surprised Patino ain't start snitching yet. It it, so, it may it may well come. Patino's still stuck in the in the uh, deny 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 part of getting caught and cheating. He hadn't started making counter accusations yet. But anybody on, man. disagrees and thinks that you're off base with this, then mm-hmm. go to Wikipedia and bone up on Pete Carroll because Pete yeah, decided, yeah. oh yeah, I'm a, the NFL. That sounds like a real good idea, and bounced right yep. out of USC right before everything came to light and they got busted. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You hit it on the head. And listen, I'm gonna tell you right now. If you were sitting in that president's office in Louisville, and they were talking, and it was like, they was like, "Yeah, Rick got cut in trouble again." They go like, "Man, this dude," and they were like, "We gotta fire him. We gotta go." Because listen, he just they just got everybody quiet down over the last situation with the hooker. You know what I'm saying? And they like, yo, man, you bring too much heat to our school, man. We gotta, you can't, we can't, you can't have Rick Pitino come showing up in your kids' uh, living room. But Jay, I wonder you know I mean? if at the meeting in the president's office, if at some point Rick didn't say, "Hey, look, guys, if you guys are willing to look the other way and, and get on here, I know I got a, I got a number to some really good hookers." Right, right, right. right. Where you guys are <laughs> right. Right. I don't, I don't know. Right, right, right. Exactly. That's, that's, that's it's, it's hilarious to me. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, the, the stories have died down a little bit. You know, I mean, OJ got out, and then you had the NFL games and all this other stuff that's going on. 
but I still want to find out like what's really going on. Like, I want to know all the other schools are going to actually get dragged down with this. Well, I love that the, the FBI said, if you got something you need to tell us, you need to call us because if we call you, it's not going to go well. And I wonder how many athletic directors and how many head coaches across the NCAA are at pucker factor 99 because they know the hammer's about to get dropped. Yep. They're going to start talking about stuff that FBI didn't even know about. They're like, what? Be like, yeah. <laughs> Somebody will confess to who really uh, killed uh, Nicole Brown Simpson <laughs> and Ron Goldman. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Like that was all a that was all a recruitment deal going back. All right. <laughs> oh man, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. <laughs> and on that note, man, yo, we gonna holler at y'all next week. I grab the mic and try to say yes, y'all. They try to and say that I'm too small. Cool, cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, right, and I Jay Bliss. With his take on this whole NCAA sneaker scandal and the snitch that he's alluding to, or that he spoke directly about there, is Martin Blazer. Now, Martin Blazer is an investment advisor, or was, because I'm sure he doesn't have any licenses anymore, who was accused of jacking professional athletes for close to $3 million into what amounted to a Ponzi scheme. Now, I don't want to be a fear monger. And Brandon, you and I haven't even had this part of the discussion because I purposely kept it from you. I wanted to see your reaction live. Uh-huh. Trent, are you familiar with the name Martin Blazer? No. Are you familiar with the name Martin Blazer? No, I am. Martin Blazer originally came to the public consciousness back in about 2011 in another investigation. His ties to the players that got him in trouble in the first place let me list them for you because there's three principal players, Greg Little, Robert Quinn, Marvin Austin. What do those guys have in common, Trent? You don't know, do you? Oh, nope. Brandon knows. What's the deal? UNC football players. All of them played at UNC. What whoa. What whoa. Now, was it a Ponzi scheme like the one Leitner hit people with? Don't try to make light of this. Ah, here comes Duke. I'm just telling you that now the newest headline is that one of the recruits that's involved most deeply in this is a UNC target. I, it will be the end of the world if the Tar Heels are involved in this. Okay, so how realistic is it that they're involved with this now? They've had the NCAA breathing down their neck mm. for seven to eight years years now no just think about it Trent's shaking his head wouldn't it be just beautiful if this long drawn out investigation kept us clean enough as a program not that we weren't before but a lot of stuff went down but wouldn't it be just a thing of beauty if because we had to you know mind our P's and our Q's because of this long drawn out unnecessary investigation that we were crystal we were crystal clear clean and didn't get hit by this big FBI thing. The only problem I see with that is you guys came on and said we've all known this has been going on forever. The first time I steal a pack of gum from the convenience store and get away with it, it gets that much easier. So 12 years ago, 
12 years ago, if I'm a coach at UNC or anybody and I start funneling this money, it becomes second nature and they don't even think nobody's gotten busted. So yeah, I hope you're right that maybe they are squeaky clean. They didn't get they didn't get away with stealing the gum. They got they got got. Well, we'll see, and we'll talk a little bit more about what they got away with and what they didn't on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing, rock soul, blues. Man, I, I tell you, that might be my favorite of the new intros the new bumpers get you pumped and up. for folks that are sitting at home listening via podcast radio whatever when that comes on it's like wayne's world up in here and all of us sort of <laughs> Heck yeah head banging and bobbing along as it goes i can i can visualize that with, yeah the louisville players were getting fast cars and everything that's funny you know what i'm saying that's hey really you know funny. you're gonna have a problem at some point when your arena your arena is named the yum yum center <laughs> That's that's probably an indicator. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. So, we've talked enough about Patino. I'm going to tell you that the next coach in the crosshairs of the FBI rhymes with Bon Hiller. I'm just saying. I think I think that's a pearl of a choice. Ooh, but oh, I come on, to. dude. That's not even... That dude's been dirty for a long time. That That's one of those cats that... Like I said, somebody at some point's going to get dragged into this, you know, and we're going to be like, "Oh my yeah. God!" You know what hurts my feelings, though. But with Bruce Pearl, that didn't qualify, dude. The one that hurts my feelings is the rifleman Chuck Person. I know, right? Because I was a big man. fan of him, man. Yes, he and Reggie that? Miller. That was one of my favorite teams to watch. Was when he and Reggie Miller were at their peak with the Indiana Pacers. God, those guys were fun. They didn't care. They'd pull up from anywhere. And Chuck Person's going to jail. What? Isn't I mean, that something? I just don't get it, man. Didn't he make enough cheddar in the league? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Doesn't he have money? Come on. I'm sure he's got a little bit of cash, but you know what? $100,000 is $100,000. I misspoke. What? It's the KFC Yum Center. Yes. The KFC that, Yum that's Center. That's where Louisville plays. <clears throat> Not the Yum Yum Center. The Yum Yum. I think yum I've been yum. to the Yum Yum Center. I think I've been there. I don't think I have anything to do with fried chicken. I oh, mean, no. you know, there's Rupp Arena, the Dean Dome, the Yum Center. 
You know those boys are cheating. But but here's the thing. You do realize it actually makes more sense than you think it does because Kentucky Fried Chicken is from that part of the country. Oh, really? Contrary to popular opinion, it's not from Louisville, actually. It's from down the road a little ways. But Kentucky Fried Chicken is headquartered in Louisville and all that. And KFC now is owned or I don't know. Young Brands owns KFC, Taco Bell. Yeah. There you go. I love their commercial. The only thing that bothers me, it seems like the kernel's different every time, every commercial. <laughs> I think that's just a me thing, though. The Rob Lowe kernel was my favorite, though. Oh, I was I like, like, is that Rob Lowe? Norm oh, McDonald, dude. Hey, so we this is this is out of nowhere. And I don't know where Rob Lowe being on my TV came from. <laughs> but you remember a couple weeks ago, we had a conversation about Michael Vick being hired by Fox Sports to be part of their NFL coverage team, right? Yep. So I'm watching – Ball games this weekend, and the afternoon game, I was sort of flipping between games and turned over to the Giants game. And what to my wondering eyes should appear, Tiki Barber was on my television screen. And my wife is the one that, that she literally said, why is Tiki Barber on my TV? And I was like, oh, my God, he really is, isn't he? And it all kind of came rushing back. And I guess that Fox thought it would be cute since it was Tampa Bay and New York matched up that they brought Rondi mm. and Tiki back into the booth. Together. Oh, I see what they yeah, did. Yeah, you see what they did there? I was going to ask that you. They you put sure? one of, you know, a lot of Americans have a thing with Michael Vick. Oh, yeah. Hold on for a second. Are you Go sure ahead. it wasn't just Rondi switching outfits? It could well have been. Okay. Could well have been. But my wife. And and this is this is a real thing. My wife's not a sports fan. My wife got up and left the room. That's how badly she dislikes Tiki Barber and who he is as a human being. Hmm. And for those of you that don't remember, Tiki Barber was anointed. He was supposed to be Michael Strahan. He left football and went and was given the keys to the you know the media empire and was going to be this and going to be that and just turned out to be a tool and the greatest master stroke that he made was leaving his seventh month pregnant seven month pregnant wife for some little hot supermodel type um bad human being and i thought he had fallen off the face of the earth and the last interview that i read with him um i was expecting him you know to be associated with all kinds of bad things and now he's back in the booth. Yeah, Trent. Kudos, Fox Sports. You guys, I guess that's where folks go to get second chances. Trent, you'll love this because you bashed the ACC. He he used to be a Virginia Cavalier. I remember him coming into Keenan and just rolling us. Hmm. Some ACC love. <laughs> no, I mean, he just, you know, he dimed out his the Giants program, just yes. trash-talked everyone. Yep. And the it was funny because all the football shows just juiced them for that and then kicked them to the curb. They were like, they got what they wanted. They wanted some controversy, and he was dumb enough to give it to them. Yeah. And now Fox, you know, and I don't know if this is going to go to anything. I If he had done anything with Fox up, up before this point, it flew under my radar. But yesterday, he was there, him and Rondi hanging out, cutting up. <laughs> 
yucking it up. Well, if you if you notice, Strahan, I guess, got a reality dose because he's back on the shows now. I don't think he's doing the daytime. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, he is? He, he's, he's doing, doing both of, of it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. That dude's busy. Yeah, he's yeah he's going to own a network at some point. He's that guy. Think he's and sick? that's what Tiki was supposed to be. I'm serious. That was the plan. Tiki had radio. He was writing kids' books. He was doing the Good Morning America. He still America has a radio show. Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff. Does he really? I mean, yeah, anybody listens to that. Anybody no can have a radio show. There were proof, we're proofing <laughs> that. And you would think. Excellent point. You, you would think Strahan would have saved up enough to fix that gap in his teeth. I mean, no, I'm man, saying, it's his he's thing. He's known for it. That's, that's part of his thing, man. It's like Davis's you know, eyebrows. Bless Strahan for all the stuff that he's got going on in his life and the fact that he's one of the most overrated defensive players in NFL history. Whatever. You know, he played in New York. And if you star in New York, you're a star for life. But that so. that Favre sack was legit, though, right? No. <laughs> I Whatever. Look, Strahan was a part of some great teams. Strahan was a leader on that defense. Whatever. I don't begrudge him anything he's got going on. And for the most part, I – I don't ever hear recall hearing anything negative about him in his personal no. life or legally or whatever the case might be. So good for him. No. Tiki Barber had the same opportunity and was supposed to be that guy and blew it. Fox, the second chance network. Hey, he never went to prison. You know? Speaking of people who've moved on from the NFL who have a tremendous amount of t- talent, Peyton the head Manning. Coach of, uh... Peyton Manning is setting the world on fire right now. He's they turned a interview one on one with him and Aikman into a full hour show that's going to be aired this week. The guy could probably run for president and and win. Well, rumor is he's going to be running for Senate in Tennessee. In Tennessee, yeah, I saw that last week. That's funny. And if you, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I actually said one day he may run for governor. Um, the Senate, who knows? He and Kid Rock, think what they could do together if they were both elected. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the where we're moving toward. And we're, we talked a little bit of politics last week. We're not going to do it again. Yeah, if Al Franken – But I do want to say thank you for all the calls, texts, emails, and stopping me in the street about the segment that we did last week. I, I, prouder than that probably of anything else we ever laid down. Um, we're going to go out of our way to not do that kind of stuff very often. But um, it was very supportive, very supportive, and I'm proud of what uh, what we put down. So there you go. If you no, don't know what we're talking about, go check last week's installment and shoot forward to about the 145 mark, and we give you about half an hour of uh, stuff that didn't have a heck of a lot to do with sports. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tied to sports. I hear yeah. uh, Mike Greenberg defend this all the time. That is a sports story. I mean – it generated from sports. You can't not talk about it. You can't ignore it. You know. Well, I, mean? I think that I think that it's being talked about. First of all, I think it was blown out of proportion in the first place, and became a thing because it's one of those ratings drivers. You know, people want to tune in and they love controversy. And it's you know, it's like a little kid being down a well. The, you know, the news networks can't help but you know, go after it. So I've heard everything. I feel like that everybody has to say about it. And people at this point, I think, feel the way they're going to feel about it. And there's no talking them out of this position or into that position or whatever the case might be. It's going to run its course. I will ask this question, though, to you, Trent Nichols. So the president, you know, put it out there in 
challenged all of the NFL owners to fire any player that didn't stand up during the anthem. How'd that work out this weekend? Uh, pretty well, I guess. There was everyone was unemployed. Nobody played. <laughs> <laughs> you actually got me, and I was like, "Did you? Where are you? Where are you going with that?" But yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that's that's why your NFL games were canceled this weekend. Yep, because the president they said couldn't fire get the scab players. players in quick enough. So. He just needs to quiet down on Twitter and let this thing, whole thing, come over. I mean, blow over, comb over, <laughs> dude. But um, killing me. Wow. All right, so <laughs> NFL up is down, down is up. I, you know who was unemployed? Who was unemployed? The New England Patriots defense. They look like they were unemployed. Well, let's see. Who was more unemployed? Was it New England's defense or was it um, Jay Cutler? Because I do want to take 30 seconds to tell both of y'all, I told you so. Again, two weeks in a row, he told us. Dude, this guy. You don't think 150 yards and an interception is great? No. I will tell you this, though. I will tell you this. I I was doing a million things and had watched a little bit of the early game, the London game. Um, but then I went and I had to move some furniture and do some stuff, and I sat down right at one o'clock to see the to start the early games. And as I'm sitting there, the ticker starts rolling, and it rolls, and it says Alvin Kamara, Kamara with ten receptions for seventy-one yards. I'm like, dude, in the first quarter? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna oh. And it took me a second to realize, oh yeah, he played at like seven a.m. this morning. Anyway, <laughs> I never watched that game. I Can you? Do you have to have an NFL Network? Or no, something? it was on Fox it's yesterday. On Fox. I got to see a lot of it because we don't open till eleven. So I never I watched that game TV. for some reason. I never watched that game. Last week it was only on Yahoo, which is odd. It wasn't even on TV at all. Yeah, I thought it was. To, I guess to put a bow on the whole, you know, kneeling and stuff. I do think it's still kind of interesting to see how each team is kind of handling it different um they're all protesting in their own little way which i thought was there's no i guess unity across the league you know they're either standing up holding hands or kneeling or it just doesn't there's not any unity to me there's something lost with that you need to be unified or just i don't know i don't know they try to make it a team thing which is i guess i don't know i think it's kind of played out the whole Listen, thing's jumped the well, shark. My last thing is Seattle Seahawks have committed to investing and donating a lot of money to get programs going to better the situation. So bravo to good for the them. Seattle. They're going to be working heavily with their police departments locally and that, and so awesome. That's and great. Now I just do, win football I, games. I do want to put this out there because I think it's worthy of, of acknowledgement in, in all of this, and we hear a lot that, you know, Players are entitled divas, and they're out of touch, and they're spoiled, and whatever the case might be. Josh Norman committed to send $100,000 of his own money to the Puerto Rican hurricane mm-hmm. relief efforts. Kudos to him, and and I hope that more players you know, do the same. I'm not in the, bit, in the business of, of counting other people's money or suggesting what they ought to do with this, but these players that are making Monopoly money – um, some of them that are coming off and, and trying to spread that around and, and, and help in, in other ways, uh, kudos to them. That's a big deal. So good looking out there, Josh Norman. Um, I hope others follow your lead. 
And I, right. love, I love what the Texans did. They donated 57 points to the Titans. <laughs> I thought they that didn't was very donate listen, that. I, I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> looks like the Titans donated 57 points to them. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think you, I think Is you got that how it, it works? Yeah. Well, yeah. one way or the other, Deshaun Watson was in a Ooh. giving mood. Um, we'll talk about what he gave to whom in just a few minutes. You're listening from the cheap seats. See you on the other side. This is Jared Jones. Kristen Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. On the phone with me, the show's favorite, James Galloway, who has turned out to be a crack prognosticator, actually had a perfect week last week. Congratulations. I did. Oh, that's fantastic. But you know what? I actually realized something just the other day. Um, I don't I don't know what sport we're talking about. Really? Oh, with this week's picks? Well, any of them, really. I, mm. I, was, I was envisioning them in their costumes, and then I realized I didn't know what sport it was. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do this slowly. First, the first two things I sent you were football games. Yeah, And that's yeah. the Louisville Cardinals. They're coming on Thursday night to play at NC State. Okay, okay, okay. And then you have Texas Christian. They're hosting West Virginia. Oh. And then I asked you to predict which two teams – will represent their respective leagues uh, in the World Series. And that's the World Series of Baseball. Is there any other kind of World Series? <laughs> yeah, there's World Series of Poker. It's on ESPN late at night all the time. Oh, I don't want to watch that. I think there's plenty of World Series, too, but the World Series of Poker is the one that tops in my mind because it's always on TV. Got it. Okay, okay. But then the last two weeks we've been talking, have we been talking about football, too? It's, it's, yes, it's been football. All it's been time. football. You probably should it's have football football season almost, are gonna, almost done. Are lose face with you. No, actually, it's only about, uh, if, well, the NFL is about a quarter of the way through, and college football is about a third of the way through. Oh, good grief. Okay, and they're still playing baseball, too? They're still playing baseball. They'll be playing baseball through October. There's more overlap than I had imagined. Yeah, it's, you know, sports is king. They got to, you, you know, there, there's I never any downtime for sports fans. I see that. I see that. Okay. Um, so, 
football. Talking about football. And um, Louisville, is it NC State? Will you tell me what, um, what their mascots are? Okay, the Louisville is the Cardinals. Okay, okay, okay. And North Carolina State is the Wolfpack. Which is ironic because North Carolina State, um, their sign's red, so that makes me think that they probably should be the Cardinals. But they are not. Um, I will take the Louisville because, um, isn't that the state bird? I think it is. Uh, maybe. Okay. I'll take them. Okay, and so plus, you're taking Louisville yeah. over NC State. Yes, yes, okay. definitely. Got it. And West Virginia over Texas Christian now. <sighs> This is a tricky one because just a couple years, no, a couple weeks ago, didn't I choose the Texas Christians because, you know. You did, and you were the only person associated with these picks, whether it be Mm. guys that are on the show or people that called into the show. You were the only single one that took Texas Christian. I follow my gut. I follow my gut. Um, But here's here's the thing. One of my favorite people ever is from West Virginia. So I have a very strong love for West Virginia, too. Um, and I used to sing that West Virginia Mama song to her. Um, so I think I want to go with West Virginia. All right. West Virginia. But I might regret this choice. I don't know. Well, that's, the, you know. Well, at least I know what sport they're playing now, so that helps. you you got to go with your gut. So the West Virginia Mountaineers over mm-hmm. Texas mm-hmm. Christian. Oh, yeah. Picking yeah. the upset again. I like it. I like you going out on them, and I like your loyalty to whomever that favorite person is that from uh, West Virginia. That's cool. Yes, yes. Um, oh, and speaking of such things, I must choose the Cubs as um, one of the World Series ones because okay. um, I that is like my family's sport. Like it's the like literally Cubs were the only sport I knew about. Cubs baseball, I didn't know any other sports until like really recently. Um, so I have to definitely choose them, even though they lost for like a lot, a lot of years. But I just remembered they won last year. I've forgotten. But I don't know. I don't actually know any of the other ones from the World Series from the other side of things. Do you? Can you remind me what those ones are? Okay, the Indians are the number one seed. What? The, the Cleveland Indians. Oh, I still call them Indians. Yeah, I know it's a little racist. That's I know. really racist. They, they take a lot of grief over that. Um, oh my. Yeah, and you've got the Houston Astros. I don't even know what that means, but okay. Well, the Astros, you know, Houston with all the space stuff down there. <gasps> oh, okay. There's the tie-in. Yep, the Boston Red Sox. Mm. And in the wild card game, which will actually be played before this show airs, Ooh. you have the Twins and the Yankees. Twins are from Minnesota and the Yankees are from New York. And they will play on Tuesday, I believe, in a one-game playoff. And mm-hmm. one of those teams will stay in and one of those teams will go home. Hmm. So those okay. are your five possi- possibilities in the American League. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. I think I've forgotten them already. But um, I feel like, doesn't Boston go to the, the World Series a lot? Uh, yeah, sort of. Have they before? Um, they have. They, they, I, see, Boston was much like your Cubs. Boston yeah. was the victim of a curse uh-huh. and Ooh. didn't win a World Series for a very, very, very long time. And then about 10 years ago, they won one, and they've been back a couple of times. So. Okay, okay, okay. So they were the victim of a curse as well. When yes. did you say the World Series is going to be? The World Series will be at the, I believe we start at the end of October. That is around Halloween, so obviously it is cursed versus cursed. I will take the Cubs versus the Red Sox. Well, Plus, there you go. My birthday's on Halloween, so that makes it extra good. Awesome. And, mm-hmm. you know, for anybody that's listening for the first time who may not have confidence in your picks, I did say at the end of last week's show that I was going to bet everything I owned and play a three team parlay <laughs> on your picks, and I did not do that. Oh. Um, over the objections of my wife, um, mm. I, I 
didn't pull the trigger, and I, I very much should have because you were perfect on your picks last week, and I yeah. won an awful lot of money. Then she could have had like a pedicure, and she would have been happy. I should have gotten her a pedicure and talked her into it, but she wasn't yeah. down, and yeah, yeah. It, it is what it is. So now anybody out there in Radio Land that feels like they want to put some money at risk in Vegas, they've yeah. got the final word in Galloway Bank, and we will talk to you next week and get more of your expert contributions. I look forward to it. Denise Galloway, enlightening the world, sharing that uh, advice with the general public. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to call her a handicapper. I wouldn't suggest that anybody use it for anything other than recreational purposes. <laughs> but I will tell you that she, uh, in her nine games, I think if my math is correct, she's seven and two. She was perfect last week, and I do want everybody to remember she's the only person associated with this show that called TCU over Oklahoma State. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, most would think that she's just been really lucky, but she really knows her stuff, doesn't she? <laughs> I don't know about the World Series pick. I think a lot of baseball fans would be all right with that, but I'm going to have to disagree with her. Well, who you got? I am actually going to go with – the I think the Washington Nationals will finally get over the hump with Harper okay. coming back, and they will represent the National League. And like Sports Illustrated said a few years ago, I think the Astros will win the World Series. Um, with you fifty percent, I'm going to take the Nats, and I'm going to take Cleveland. Now, Cleveland's strong. Cleveland's on a mission, and uh, I think Cleveland is focused. I think offensively, they just they're awful. They're awesome. And the pitching has been lights out. I thought I, I really, really, really like Cleveland. I do too. I, I think well, Albert. Well, I, I do. I'll, before you start, I want to preface <laughs> this by saying this guy was just clowning Greta Zanstra. Oops. Oops. I let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> ah, he was just clowning Ooh. Denise Galloway. I, she's not listening anyway, so she won't know I put her out there. So now I'm way off track. But I do want to say, Brandon's about to give some World Series picks that have no more basis in expertise than what we just got on the phone. I promise. Dude, Go ahead. I, I'm picking Cleveland. I think Albert Bell's playing some of his <laughs> Oh, Sandy Alomar. Carlos Baerga, uh, man, is a tough out. See, the only reason I'm going with the Astros is I really want whoever wrote that article and said that the Astros will win the World Series in 2017 – I want him to be right because that was amazing. I think it was like three or four years ago he predicted them against the Cubs. But my, you are smart. The Indians should win and the American is it, is it Biff that wrote that article? I think it might, it might have been. Was it Biff? Yes. Hey, lost I think on him in any, the, even know. The, uh, I love the Houston Astros throwback jerseys. That's why I want them to win. Wait, now, when you say throwback jerseys, you're talking about the 70s the, the ones with all the different colors. Yes. Yeah, they're Those tight. things are sweet. They're tight. I remember when I was a kid, man, playing Little League Baseball and stuff, everybody was – that was everybody's favorite jersey. Cause, yeah. And I didn't stand the test of time. Didn't really hold up. But at this point, it's cool again. I can dig it. I'm actually looking across the studio, and that Nuggets jersey looks an awful lot like – Well, that's what I was looking at. That's oh, why I turned around and looked at it. You know, um, and the, I'll tell you, the throwback Rams – uh, white helmet, uh, blue on blue on white, awesome. 
but try not to wear the white in the helmet and the yellow on the jersey. Yeah, you got it. That ain't working. Something's got to something's got to give with that. You got to go one way or the other. I agree with you 100. Um, percent I did. We give a shout out to Kentucky last week for those for the chrome helmets that they broke out. Mm-hmm. I was at the Duke game on Thursday night when Miami came in there and destroyed Durham. I gotta say those Duke uniforms, they were dope. Cutcliffe knows what he's doing, man. They were tight. Well, Cutcliffe knows what he's doing. He doesn't have the horses to beat a team like Miami yet. No. They were just completely overmatched in the secondary. And we'll probably – we're going to run out of time in this segment. We'll talk about that game a little bit. But a big, 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 big game coming up this week in the ACC. Bigger than Duke-Miami last week on, on Friday night. Um, this one, we were having the conversation, who's the second-best team in the ACC? Well, that gets to sort itself out a little bit. On Thursday night, when Louisville takes on NC State, mm-hmm. who you got, Trent? You know what? I, I like what I see with NC State, but you know, with the best quarterback in the probably in the nation right now, it's hard to bet against him. Well, Lamar Jackson, to me, best quarterback in the country. However, I'm not certain Bradley Chubb at NC State's not the best defensive player in the country. We'll talk about it a little more on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. Before the break, we were talking about NC State Louisville. And obviously, the story when the Louisville Cardinals come to town, Lamar Jackson. You've got to be able to slow him down. NC State's going to have their hands full with this. But I'm on record, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I believe Ryan Finley at NC State may well be the second-best quarterback in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And Bradley Chubb, whom I think most ACC fans were aware of up before this year, he has come out of nowhere I, and literally may be the best defensive player I've seen this year in the NCAA. Um, I, this guy – Maybe as physically gifted as Mario Williams was when he was at NC State, but doesn't have the same question about his motor. This guy's nonstop. He's the undisputed leader of that defense and is a terror in the passing game. And this may come down. I I don't want to dumb it down and boil it down to something less than it is, but this may be Chubb versus Lamar Jackson. Because I, NC State's going to move the ball. They're going to score points against Louisville. The question is whether or not they can slow that offense down 
and force some punts, get a turnover here or there. They can't let Louisville turn this into a track meet because as talented as NC State is, as good as Ryan Finley is in the passing game for the Wolfpack, they can't outscore Louisville. That's just not going to work. So we'll see. Well, I'm excited I'm a, about the, the prospect. I'm going to pull my best Lee Corso and say not so fast, my friend, All right. with the NC State <laughs> thing. So let's just take a look at who they've played. Of course, they've beaten Florida State. That's their high-profile win. But, you know, Florida State's not – Burning on all cylinders. This is not a typical Florida State team. So they should have lost they, last week. Florida who State. Who have they played? They've played Marshall. They've played Furman. They beat FSU and Syracuse. They just beat this past weekend. Who everybody knew that they were going to give just the style they play. We're going to give State a hard time a little bit. But they're not a very good football team. Okay, I'm gonna. I got to jump in. Kudos for Syracuse for holding it together in the second half. In the first half of that ball game, like you said, Syracuse is going to come in here. <laughs> Nobody will ever know that how startled you just were. Like, shook. He was. That was funny. Shook. I think I saw the ghost of David Kaplan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, nobody. I, I'm, I'm I think lost. NC State is. NC State beat the brakes off of Syracuse in the first half. That was a letdown game. If NC State would have faltered and it would have been a close game, I would have been like, oh, NC, NC State hasn't played anybody. They're really whatever. Well, they still haven't played anybody. Well, I know they haven't played Except anybody. For Florida State. But they could have – that could have been a letdown game looking ahead to Louisville, and they went in there and they whomped on them that first half. They See, did. They me, really did. And Syracuse, like I said, good for Syracuse for righting the ship and making a ball game out of it in the second half. But NC State looked really, really I, strong. I think this game's going to be a lot like the Duke game. Duke's a good football team, but it was fool's gold. You know, I bet on the fool's gold. I don't think Duke's – you went to the game, Chris, not nearly as good as Miami. They don't have the horses. And I think the same thing will be true for here's, NC State. Okay, Google. here's the difference. Here's the difference. Is it Duke – Miami posed a matchup that Duke could not figure out a way to overcome. The speed in the secondary at Miami was too much for Duke to overcome. Duke runs a, a, an offense that basically plays within about 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And quick hitters and comeback routes and things that put their wide receivers in an, a position to make a play. Miami brought their safeties up to about six yards off the line of scrimmage and said, go ahead and beat us. And played man. And you had better athletes in the Miami secondary than you did Duke receivers. And then on top of that, the way that game was called, they allowed physical play in the secondary. So the Miami corners could come over the top. There were some calls that you know a lot of people weren't real happy with. But as soon as it became evident that the officiating crew was going to allow those DBs to play it tight, Duke was dead in the water. Yeah, because Duke's running game is not going to scare anybody. So you took that away, and I'm telling you that most of the night, the Miami safeties were within – first of all, they only played one safety over the top a lot anyway. Hmm. But they were playing six to eight yards off the line of scrimmage and basically said, come on, beat us down the field. And Duke, the receivers could not get open. And on the couple of occasions when they did, they just didn't make a play. Now, defensively – Duke didn't let Miami do a heck of a lot. They had a couple of big plays, a couple of amazing plays in the passing game. But Duke, 
was competitive. They were good. They didn't take advantage of opportunities, and that Duke offense was stifled. That was the difference. Well, and you could do yourself a favor by protecting your quarterback just a little bit. It's kind of hard to throw from your back. I think he got sacked six times. He did, but I do have to say this as well, though. As much pressure as Daniel Jones from Duke was under, Malik Rozier was under just as much duress for Miami. I mean, that's kind of become the norm in in both college and NFL football is quarterbacks got to be able to get rid of it quick because defensive schemes with pass rushing coverages, they're outpacing the offenses right now. Okay. So Duke wasn't overmatched. The game just got out of control as it went on. But Duke, given the variables at play in that particular game, Duke just wasn't going to beat Miami. And it was because of that one particular part of the matchup. Miami is a flawed team. Miami's right. not a world beater, but they were nice, and they're better than I thought they were. So good for Miami. They are starting to answer or, or at least throw in their hat into the ring into the conversation about who's the second-best team in the ACC. Right. I'll tell you who is out of it for certain, and that's Florida State. Florida State should have got beaten at Wake Forest this week yep. and got out of there by the skin of their teeth. Wake Forest is a good ball club, but this – you've seen powerhouse programs go in and have a close call or get beaten by one of the lower-tier programs. And no, no, no offense to Wake Forest, but Wake Forest is not a football school. This is the first time that I remember a team going in and thinking, that's just the better team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wake Forest across the board. Now, Florida State, what it did have going for it is just so so athletic. So absolutely supremely athletic. And there were a couple instances where that allowed Florida State to get a break or make a play. James Blackman may well end up being a very good college quarterback. And on Saturday, made a couple of throws that were the difference, but for the most part was completely overmatched. Wake Forest had, I want you to think about this stat, B, 18 tackles for loss Hmm. against Florida State. Hmm. 18 tackles for loss. Wake Forest by no means a defensive juggernaut. When Florida State rolls back into the rest of their schedule in a couple weeks and has to play somebody like Miami, oh, my God. It sounds like they've given up on their season. That offense well, that offense is an absolute train wreck. They can't protect. They can't get down the field. They, the running game is the only thing that's okay in that offense right now, and it's almost as if the defense knows it. I'll tell you what, outside of them, though, the ACC had a pretty good weekend. You know, they had to play – they were playing each other, but, you know – Clemson wins, but they don't blow Virginia Tech out. They only drop down to number 16. That's good. Louisville, 17. Then Miami, who's more likely to make noise on the national level than Duke ever will, they win that game. So, other and Georgia Florida, Tech looked great. Yeah, they're Georgia 2 and <laughs> They may have had a bye there. week, but, you know, whatever. But. They look good against UNC. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> they, the way they played, they probably injured their bye week. Uh. The way I, they chop block and everything. Oh, George Tech just scored again. Oh. But, um, no, overall, I think ACC is making moves like the leases up, baby. Well, talking about leases, I'll tell you who I hope is leasing and doesn't own a home, and that's Butch Jones of Tennessee because that's a dead man walking. Tennessee, let me tell you something. <laughs> Hair trigger. Hair trigger. And, what, 47 to nothing? Yep. Georgia came in and did to him this weekend, buddy. 
This is a Tennessee team that blew a game in Florida they had no business losing. They should have lost to Georgia Tech on an opening night. And Butch Jones, first of all, let's, let's be 100% clear here. It's 2017. Is it? A grown man named Butch <laughs> shouldn't be employed in a job that means much anyway. Nope. Can we all agree on that? Yep. All right. I'm certain that his name, his given name is not Butch. <laughs> and that's one of those – well – I gotta look at. Of course, up. Jimbo shouldn't have a job like that either. <laughs> what about? So what's what's going on? Is is that is that something? Did we not get the memo, Brandon? Mm-hmm. You know, you got Dabo, well, Jimbo, and Butch. Billy Bob Cooter, right? Yeah, Joe Bob. Joe Joe Bob Cooter for Joe Bob Detroit. Cooter? Jim Bob. I think Jim Bob Cooter. I think it's Jim Bob Cooter. I think I don't know. Bubba Cunningham is looking to bring one of these coaches to. What's going Chapel on Hill. with these guys, man? I didn't even think about it till just now. Uh, whatever. So, but the Go best ahead. homecoming game that I watched, oh. LSU and Troy, Look, baby. So, oh. for those of you, everybody knows. I, I'm sure. Wait, that by the LSU way, his managed. name is Lyle Allen. Parentheses Butch Jones Jr. Lyle Allen. Lyle, so Lyle, Lyle Allen. Jones. Yep. That's not a bad name, man. Well, you got to give up Butch when you turn like eleven. That's one of those like his fourth grade teacher should have been like, no, we're not going to call you Butch. No. But anyway, so LSU gets oh. beat at home by Troy. That's not the best part of this story. The best part of the story happened on Twitter after the fact. Brandon, I'm sure you didn't see this. I think I heard something about this. You heard something oh, about it. I love it. Do, do you have it fired up, Let Trent? Me see. Because I'm interested to see how many likes it's up to. I want to say, first of all, that the official Troy University information um, Twitter account, when this happened, had about 20,000 followers. Mm-hmm. So in the aftermath of LSU dropping a home game to Troy, do you know where Troy's at? Yeah. Where? Where's Troy? I've seen the movie Troy. <laughs> Kaplan, where's Troy? Troy is in Alabama. I know that. I wanted to. I wanted these guys to sort it out. But Troy comes in. Who's their most famous alum? I'm just. We're just going to Troy trivia. <laughs> when did Crystal Lambert turn into David Kaplan, dropping all this? Demarcus Ware. Okay. All right. So the Troy University News Twitter account decided, and you didn't look it up. You handed me the phone, and now I got to sift through it. Um. They decided to have a little fun and said, thank you, LSU. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For inviting us down for homecoming. (laughs) And it absolutely blew up the Twitterverse. They said, thanks for the check. Well, that's the other piece of it. That's what came out later. Yep. (laughs) Was that LSU had paid them $958,000 to come down and be their homecoming appointment. And the exact tweet was, hey, LSU, thanks for having us down for homecoming. We really enjoyed it. And 175,000 likes later, Troy is king of Twitterverse. Oh, it It was awesome. Just watching the tally run. Now, I'm going to tell you about LSU. People are asking, Ed Orgeron, you know, well, it'll take him a while to write the ship. Ed Orgeron's one of the best recruiters 
in the country. Ed Orgeron, when he was at Ole Miss as the head coach, brought in boatloads of talent. In fact, in the in the two recruiting classes he had there, one of them was 15th ranked in the country when Ole Miss was horrible. He was part of Pete Carroll's recruiting efforts out there at USC. He's followed Lane Kiffin over to Tennessee. Ed Orgeron can recruit with the best of them. That's all I got. Yeah. And he's got an awful lot of talent at LSU that's doing an awful lot of nothing right now. And this is – the SEC didn't need this. They're already becoming a punchline where it's sort of Alabama and everybody else. Well, yeah. Georgia. Georgia's coming Georgia to now Georgia. Is, Georgia now is coming to life. Yep. Well, Florida's looking good too. They're – I mean, they're undefeated. The big game is going to be the Florida-Georgia. They may play it at the state. <laughs> no, I saw that coming. I know. I'm sorry. I knew you were uh, going to say that before you knew you were going to say that. But you got Florida and Georgia. Auburn actually looked really good this weekend. So maybe it's not Alabama and everybody else, but they're falling quickly behind the ACC, and I would I would venture to say the Big Ten. Now, I do want to say something talking about the Pac-12, the Big Ten, Saquon Barkley, I think it's very unlikely. Well, I'll finish that thought on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats on the WBLZ Media Network. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, we were talking about college football, and I want to talk real quickly about the Heisman race. And and here's the thing, is in most years, it's the best quarterback in college football which is a little disappointing because I think that very rarely is the best athlete, the best player in college football quarterback. And after a couple years of quarterbacks winning, I think there's a natural backlash and the national media attaches themselves to a running back or some other player than quarterback just to kind of show how smart they are. Here's my issue. Saquon Barkley has become the guy for these national pundits to pimp for the Heisman Trophy. And Saquon Barkley is a one-man gang. He is a heck of a football player. However, lost in the conversation is that Saquon Barkley right now is being completely outplayed by one of his counterparts out on the West Coast. Now, the question I have, and everybody I think it's fair to have, is Bryce Love is playing 
in a league that doesn't play a heck of a lot of defense. However, you're looking at a guy right now who has a thousand yards rushing. Are you ready for this, B? I'm listening. On 98 attempts. Eleven point one yards per carry right now, and nobody's even whispered Heisman in a, in conjunction with his name. And I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't really familiar with what Stanford had going on out there, and Stanford has had you know back after back kind of come through the question, come through the program. Not the least of which being Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Bryce Love is next level. Buddy, if he gets a step, the back that he reminds me of is Chris Johnson. He is gone, and you're not going to touch him again. He's that fast. 11.1 yards a carry through almost 100 carries right now. That is hard to argue with if you want to make an argument for a non-quarterback Heisman Trophy candidate right now. That's my two cents. What are your thoughts, T? Well, I mean, I would have to agree with you. I mean, it's insane what what he's doing with the ball, and that's why early on I thought they could be that sneaky team that ends up coming out and getting into the playoffs. I think their case actually looks a little bit worse now that USC lost to Washington, but that's another conference that just can – any Wazoo, day can, careful. You said Washington. You meant Washington State. Washington State, sorry. They uh, they come out and beat up on each other and, uh, you know, just like all the Big Ten and ACC and everything. So, but absolutely, I think he should be well, in the, I, the conversation. I'll tell you what, Saquon Barkley is very impressive. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we are such the in-the-moment thinkers in sports. I'm listening to Mike and Mike. And they're saying that that's the best running back that they've seen since Barry Sanders. Come on, man. Come on. I mean, what is Saquon? This is my question. And this is for those knuckleheads who say things like that. What is Saquon Barkley doing that Le'Veon Bell didn't do at Michigan State? Right. Come on, man. What is he doing that Zeke Elliott didn't do at Ohio State? The. The Big Ten turns out backs like this. Saquon Barkley is a superior We've talent. Had that He's a very nice back. We've had that conversation before. The Big Ten just churns out these running backs. I am looking at their schedule, though. Who's the best team they've played this year? Who are we talking about? I'm talking about Penn, Penn State. They haven't played anybody yet. Indiana this past week? I mean. Who held him in check? Yeah, he had the, big, the kickoff return. But – Look, Saquon Barkley and Barry Sanders in the same breath is heretical. So that's what it is. Trent, we got more tape? Run Run that tape. On the phone with me, John Stinson in Franklin, West Virginia. He is the editor-in-chief of the Pendleton Times and, most notably, went undefeated with his picks last week um, and blew up our segment. We, you know, we changed the whole format because, you know, y'all were, you, you were too perfect. I know. I screw, I screw it up for everybody. I'll take all the heat, my friend. You know how it goes. <laughs> so your top three NFL teams, what do you got? Um, we're going to start from the bottom. Uh, number three, we're going to go with the, with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we'll go next, number two, uh, the Denver Broncos. 
and surprised at number one, maybe. But they are the only undefeated team right now, barring what happens uh, with them against the Washington Redskins, is we've got the Kansas City Chiefs. On paper, you look at them, you have Alex Smith, quarterback, a guy who's pretty much not going to lose you a game. He's also not going to win you a game. But this year, he is the number one in passer rating, which is really surprising. Uh, and then you have Kareem Hunt, who is going to be the backup running back this year. Now, all of a sudden, he's forced into being the number one guy, and he's leading the NFL in rushing. And then let's stop talking about their defense, which is really, really good. A lot of no-name guys out there, but don't forget you have Justin Houston, who is one of the top rushing linemen in the NFL. That's the reason why I'm putting the Chiefs up there at number one. Well, you got a lot of company, man. People, people loving on the Chiefs, and uh, you know Andy Reid is always, always going to figure out how to score points. But now he's got that offense clicking, and he's got one heck of a defense. You hit on it, Justin Houston. Those boys playing some D. We'll see how long they can keep it afloat, man. I appreciate your picks, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy. Be good. You guys be good down there. On the phone with me, Vasilios Nicolau, host of the Extra Point. What's going on, Chris? Uh, my top three teams for this week, I'm going to go number one, Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, I'm going to take the Houston Texans. They showed me some incredible stuff this week. And then number three, I'm going to slide the Carolina Panthers into uh, the number three slot there. Uh, I'm going to break down the Kansas City Chiefs, though. Andy Reid historically has had great rushing attacks. And this, this year is no different with Kareem Hunt taking on the mantle of featured running back in an Andy Reid offense. It's going to be spectacular watching this kid run. Currently, in fantasy football, for all you fantasy football geeks out there, Kareem Hunt is averaging 30 fantasy points per game in a PPR league. So, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be fantastic. They're going to be at number one for a long time. And I'm looking forward to having them play just a... Uh, their defense is maybe a little bit of a liability this time around. They're missing perennial pro bowler Eric Berry at the safety position. But with that running attack, they're going to give that defense all the rest it needs to make a late playoff push in December. That was money. Now I'm going to give you one chance to take back putting the Houston Texans at number two. I know everybody's <laughs> on the Deshaun Watson train, but you're sure you want to put them at number two in, in your first week out. Hey, man, I'm doing what I need to do. After watching them demolish the Tennessee Titans and drop 57 points on them, I'm riding the Deshaun Watson train for as long as I can have my ticket, man. This is going to be ridiculous. The Tennessee Titans were the lock, were the stone-cold lock to win the AFC South this year. And the Houston Texans have gone on to just demolish the Titans, and they, demol- and they almost beat the New England Patriots. Now that's a pretty impressive resume, if you ask me. So I'm going to keep my tech. I'm going to keep those Texans on there. Now I'm a Ravens fan. I'm not putting them anywhere near the top three. But the Texans, they deserve to be in the top three this week. All right, jump on board that Texans train. Two, two. Appreciate you calling, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, sure. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, Vasilios Nicolau. You can check him out on the Extra Point on the WBLZ Media Network. Find him on Twitter, Facebook, and all the rest of that. Sean Stinson, our favorite newspaper editor. And we have started something here, guys. They gave us their top three teams in the NFL. Now, we have compiled ours, and I'm not going to 
bore everybody to death with this. I will tell you that who all of you left out that I think you guys are sleeping on is the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. But when we take the composites, we have a resounding number one team in the NFL from the cheap seats is the Kansas City Chiefs. Second, the Atlanta Falcons. And in the three spot, we have the Houston Texans. And I, I just don't know what kind of alternate universe we're living in, but it really happened. At four, the LA Rams. And our top five, rounding our top five, is the Green Bay Packers. Hmm. Detroit, missing from that top five. A little surprising to me, but whatever. I'm not going to argue with you guys who just don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. <laughs> so, the well, President's Cup, I, I have a question for you. Diamond Dave Kaplan is in the house. I'm here. So, has there – I was listening, and it was obvious that, that the broadcast team and the production team was scrambling to figure out what was going to happen if the U.S. won the President's Cup on Saturday. I don't think anybody was prepared for that eventuality. Right. Has it ever happened before? Um, well, this was not the most lopsided President's Cup, but I do not think – I think it has happened in the Ryder Cup, but I do not think it has happened in President's Cup history. Uh, the most lopsided President's Cup was a Kim Venturi-led team in 2000. They won 21.5 to 10.5. Uh, they they played at Robert Trent Jones course. They used to play all the American on on American soil. They used to play the Robert Trent Jones course uh, up in Washington or Virginia, right outside of Washington. And in '94, uh, Hell Irwin team uh, led team won 20 to 12. So those were the two most lopsided. But I do think it had to go to Sunday. The interesting thing is this particular Ryder, I mean Presidents Cup, could have outpaced all of them but they actually lost the singles matches on Sunday and I kind of compare that to like a huge first half lead in a football game and then you kind of come out and you're kind of well somebody's going to get a half a point so we can win this thing you know all right we'll give you a chance to finish that up on the other side you're listening from the cheap seats You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, joined in studio by Diamond Dave Kaplan. We're talking about the President's Cup, and I think it was a worst-case scenario for the uh, networks, Dave. You had folks like me. I tuned in, watched a lot of the action on Saturday, and try as they might, the broadcast team tried to convince the world that this thing was competitive when all the numbers said otherwise. Well, And down to the very end... Saturday, I turned that off knowing 
there was no chance I was going to watch any of it on Sunday. Yeah. I didn't watch much of it either. I actually fell asleep watching it. But it was fun. Here, here's what they had going for them. Tiger Woods was there. And everybody likes to see what Tiger Woods does, even if he's not playing golf. And they had a beautiful weather and beautiful skyline of, of Manhattan and the Statue of Liberty. So they had other things they kept talking about other than golf that, that kept people watching. It In the business, we call that blowout material. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what it was, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a blowout. It was uh, really <laughs> evident after Thursday how this thing was going to go. Certainly Friday could have turned it around for the internationals, but – I just feel like a lot of the international players had peaked earlier in the season, and you look at Jordan Thomas, uh, I mean, Justin Thomas, Jordan uh, Spieth, and, and, and different players uh, who were really playing strong at the end of the year. And then and you look at Lefty, and he, he like, so wanted to be there and so wanted to play well. So I just think the U.S. team was, was a little more motivated. Uh, one thing I love about what the U.S. team's doing is the continuity with the Ryder Cup team. I think this is going to help them have more success on the Ryder Cup side because they have not been very successful in recent history there. If you go back to blowouts, the U.S. team in 63 and 67 blew England or, or uh, Great Britain out at the time. That was uh, They made them expand to all of Europe. That's how bad they were beating them. And it was a Palmer-led team, won 23 to 9, and then the Hogan-led team – uh, in 67, won 23 and a half to eight and a half. So there's your biggest blowout. So 19, that makes 19 and 11 look uh, pretty competitive, right? Maybe? No. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, and since then, actually, the Europeans have had the biggest blowout since they changed in 1979. Um, a long, uh, Bernhard Longer team in 04 won 18 and a half to nine and a half. And then an Ian Woosnam team in 06 won 18 and a half to nine and a half. But DL3 was a co-captain for Stricker, who just won. Uh, the, the U.S. won back in 16, 17, and 11, their biggest win in the Ryder Cup. He comes along with Stricker to help out. And then Jim Furyk, another co-captain, will be the 18 captain for the U.S. Ryder Cup team. So I like that continuity. I like building on each other, and I think that's going to help the success of the U.S. team you know, in the Ryder Cup as well. You know, DL3 told him, told him to play to win. <laughs> play play to win, that's right. Play to win! Yeah, but, but hey, a key note, and one other thing we need to talk about before you move off golf, is Tiger Woods still makes the headline. Jordan Spieth got penalized for uh, really just trying to be nice. Uh, he's, uh, I think it was Woosom, Jason Day was in, had already been conceded a birdie, um, Louis Oosthuizen had a chip for eagle and uh, was too aggressive, and it was about to roll off into the water. And so Spieth, who had a 12-footer left for birdie to tie the hole, ran over and stopped his ball. He got penalized for impeding an opponent's ball in, in the course of action, and that's a penalty. So he then was disqualified from the hole. Tiger races onto the uh, uh, green to argue with uh, rules official Andy McPhee uh, during Saturday afternoon's round, Andy McPhee is one of the most respected rules officials. He knew the rule right when Jordan Spieth touched the ball. It's yeah, a dumb rule. He hated to call it. You could see it on his oh, yeah, face. Yeah. He didn't want to call it. Yeah, and it's a dumb rule, but it is what it is. And Tiger, basically, Andy McPhee said, nah, let's get out of here. Uh, you're wrong. You're not going to win the argument. Uh, it's Any idea what Tiger's, what his interpretation was? 
I mean, I, I don't want to no get too idea. far into the nuances of what their argument right. was. Well, around, I was watching right when all that happened. It was probably the most interesting part of the entire um, competition. <laughs> but I was saying, don't prove Chris's point. But no, the, the funny thing about it, though, what was interesting to me is you know how they're conceding holes. Right. There was like some borderline three and a half to four foot holes being con- like I would oh, never just give one of those to Crystal Lambert. Wayne, as well, you should. Not but how many times? How many times have you been disqualified for stopping one of Chris's balls from going into the it's, water? It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not what, I'm sitting here minding my own business, and I'm being I'm being assaulted. You, usually, when we stop Chris's ball from going in water, we start applauding. <laughs> you know, we're helping him out a little bit. But uh, the, the interesting thing is Day and Ustazen didn't want the penalty to be called. They wanted Jordan to be able to try to make that 12-footer for birdie and tie the hole up. So they, they go to the 13th tee box. They want to give the Americans the hole back. Yeah. Say, let's, not, let's just walk on to 14. And, and of course, uh, the Americans are like, nah, you know, we're going to beat you anyway. So let's just go ahead and play 13. And they came back. They, they went down one. They ended up coming back and beating them. But, um, and, you know, uh, they, Spieth, here's the, the interesting thing about him. He's 0-5 in Ryder Cup and President's Cup matches in singles events. Mm-hmm. He and Patrick Reed are 6-1-2. Uh, so they obviously have confidence that they didn't need that 13th hole given to him. Uh, and Spieth's overall record is 9-8-2. He's 9-3-2 in, in uh, foursomes or four-ball events. But he is 0-5 in singles matches, which is pretty interesting. <clears throat> And you know Tiger's Ryder Cup record is thirteen fourteen and two. That's not too good either. He usually does pretty well in the singles matches, but uh, he struggled on the team team aspect of it. But Spieth obviously loves the team uh, aspect of the event, and I would too. I think that's the coolest thing about yeah. Ryder Cup and Presidents Cup. Anyway, well, it's he, fun to watch the you know they've they've anointed them the young guns, but the yeah. American guys a lot of camaraderie, a lot of moments. Great stuff. I think it's America more. Blew them out. I think it's, it's more fun America. when they don't America. like each other either. Like you know, Day and Spieth get along a lot. You know what right. I mean? And you know, I'll concede that four foot putt. Uh, to me, I like to see more of like, nah, go ahead and take. You know, go ahead and make sure you make well, that. Yeah, I mean, you look at characters of the past. I mentioned some of them. If you look at like Hill uh, um, Irwin, who who led it. I mean, he was a competitor. I mean, it was. I don't care if it was his mother. If, if it, you know, he was not going to give that three and a half foot putt. But my favorite is not when they when they say no, go ahead and put it out. But when they pretend they don't see. Oh yeah, they kind of when walk they just away don't like, acknowledge it and like look yeah. away. And you know, whoever's standing over that eighteen inch putt is like you know waiting for it to be conceded. And they're just having yeah. a conversation and pretending they don't see what's going on. Yeah, uh, Colin awesome. Montgomery. I mean, he was dirty, man. Yeah. Seve Ballesteros. I mean, those guys were absolute competitors. And so now it's almost like it's one tour. I mean, you know, a lot of the European players play here on the PGA yeah. Tour yeah. at least half of their seasons. So they're they're hanging out, they're buddies, and um, and and that might take some of that feistiness away. I agree with that. So what if it's tight though? Like they're on hole eighteen. Does all that change? Oh, I think there's some competitors out there still. Okay. And and yeah, I believe so. I believe that would change. Um, but when you're just absolutely destroying another team, True. everybody's. Yeah. You know, patting each other on the back and just just letting it go. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Ryder Cup will be closer. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Sergio. I mean, there's some fiery people on that European tour. Ian Poulter. I don't think he's going to be giving too many putts. Uh, and uh, 
So I, I think the atmosphere will be different uh, in 2018, and uh, y'all are just going to – the cheap seats are going to send me over to France to watch it, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I was thinking we would send you out to Australia for the President's Cup in two years if All you're right. available. Yeah. I'd check your schedule and get yeah. back with us. We'll see. What we'll we see how France that. goes, and if, 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 I, if I'm worthy, <laughs> then we'll go to Australia. <laughs> When's yeah, France? That's, that's fair. When's it coming? 2018. It'll be this time of year next year. Okay. And then yeah. the following year, 2019, the President's Cup goes to Melbourne. They're playing Royal right. Melbourne. Right, exactly. And they played in Royal Melbourne in the past. And um, I don't – the international – we just destroy the international team traditionally. Yeah. But, and, and, you know, and originally, as I mentioned, we used to destroy the European and, and the, Brit, the British team. But, uh, you know, of, uh, we won in, in 2016 over uh, Europe pretty handily. Uh, but uh, prior to that, wow, we just – all the putts that you saw the Americans make – over the last uh, three days or four days, because they start on Thursday, um, the Europeans have made on Americans and it shrunk that hole for the American players. It just had, it, it's, it was, it's the exact opposite of what you see in Ryder Cup traditionally. Hmm. All right. We're bailing, pulling the cord on golf. We're done. All Boom. Right, done. NFL, we're going to fly through this real quickly. New England at Tampa Bay is the Thursday night game. Who we got? Anybody want to take a pick? I'll go ahead and take Tampa Bay. Tampa I saw Bay. some holes in Patriots. This I'm going to go with Tampa weekend. Bay. I'm gonna, and I'm going to say not only am I taking Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay scores at least 35. Anybody disagree? I'm taking the Patriots. Are you really? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll Brady on primetime. Got beat on primetime once. I guess he, you know, Brady even on the road. The Giants almost came back and beat Tampa Bay. Shouldn't have even been oh, in that ball wait game. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Patriots win. Okay. Well, fair enough. So, if y'all are both wrong, because David picked the Patriots, too, y'all got to go back and change that promo y'all do for the show, right? That will that will mean that Chris and I do actually know more about sports. Brandon, than you know the only pick I've gotten right was the Saints versus <laughs> the Panthers. That's the only pick I've gotten right, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Buffalo at Cincinnati. You, Buffalo comes in 3-1. and one. Brandon has them as an outsider for our top five. Cincinnati 1-3 and three, played their most complete game in two or three years this weekend against Cleveland, but it was against Cleveland. Um, who wants to take a stab at it? I feel Buffalo, like I have to I'm recuse myself. Cincinnati. I'm never picking Cincinnati again. All right, fair enough. Buffalo. All Buffalo's right, we got Buffalo, Buffalo, B. What do you got? Yeah, Buffalo, their only loss was a 9-3 game against the, Page, uh, Listen, the Panthers. I had recused myself. I unrecused myself. Cincinnati's going to bust them wide open, go to 2-3, oh. and three, go into the bye weekend, write that down. Is Burfick back? Yes. Oh, okay. That Perfect be- back, making a difference. That defense playing really, really good football. The offense seems to be clicking. We'll see what happens. Hey, I really, you, I really do let, honestly believe Cincinnati's going to win that game at Buffalo. I'll let Buffalo. you sell me on Cincinnati Chris, too many times. Good. Never doing it again. Chris, right. the first step is admission. Like, you got to <laughs> you got a problem. step into reality, okay? <laughs> the 2-2 two and two Jets, who have failed miserably at tanking and actually have gotten to 2-2, two and two, Visit Cleveland. Oh. You got a New York team who everybody thought was going to tank who's actually trying hard. Cleveland is in da- they're in danger of David Carring, Deshaun Kaiser. I'm going to tell you right now, between the fact that they can't keep him on his feet and his receivers can't catch footballs, that's a young man whose confidence has got to be hanging by a thread. Cleveland gets him at home. The Boo Birds are out in force. They just took a beat down from Cincinnati. The Jets come in. Does Cleveland circle the wagons? 
I thought Cleveland Jets. was going to beat Cincinnati, so I'm going to go with Cleveland right now. Beating you think Jets. Cleveland gets off the schneid? Yep. Anybody disagree? I'm going with the Jets. I'm going Jets. Cleveland's <laughs> awful. I'm, I'm taking the Jets, too. That Cleveland team is bad. All right, Carolina and Detroit matchup of three and one teams in the NFC. This is a big interdivisional game right here. Detroit hosting Carolina. Carolina coming off the big win at New England. What's good? What do you got? I, I'm just going to be a homer. Um, I'm going with the Panthers, but it's not just being a homer. I saw Cam Newton look like he's. You know, he's finally healthy, and he's they're opening up the playbook for him, and I like the Panthers. All right. The Panthers are unable to string two good games together, and they won't do it this week because the Lions are going to beat them down. I'm going to side with Trent. I think that offense for Detroit, uh, had, they struggled against Minnesota, but that's a, that's a divisional game. Minnesota, good defense. I think Detroit gets right. It's hard for me to see Carolina be able to score enough points to compete. I'm going to pick the Lions. That way I win either way. Oh, fair enough. Hmm. Okay. I don't understand how that works out. But. Well, I could say I picked them. Or if the Panthers won, I'll be happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. You I, I like it. All right, San Francisco-Indianapolis, oh. a matchup of two teams with one win between them. San Francisco comes in winless. Indy, they're rough. Can they just not play that game? That's a good one. Just I bet both teams would be okay ties. with that, too. Wow. Just tie. don't play. Yeah, tie. 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 Got it. And there there almost was a tie this weekend. The, now they've shortened the overtime to 10 right. minutes. You're going to see some more of them. I think this one, yeah, we'll, we'll pick it. It's a tie. Tie. All right, Tennessee, Miami. Tennessee was the odds-on favorite to be the champ in the AFC South. Not working out as, tech, as the Houston Texans are trying to take a stranglehold. We will finish our picks up on the other side and put a bow on yet another great show you're listening to from the cheap seats from sanford north carolina everyone deserves a decent place to live everyone decent shelter is something we all need to thrive through shelter we empower visit habitat.org to donate today my name is forrest forrest gum My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, Tennessee comes into Miami. Miami, Jay Cutler. No bueno. <laughs> but Tennessee, Mariota nursing a hamstring, not looking like the world beaters they were supposed to be. Hmm. Yeah, and I told y'all when this season started, Jay Cutler was not going to help <laughs> Miami in their situation. So, you I mean, can say that as often as you like to, but I got the tape. The internet is forever, brother. All right. I Tennessee, take Miami. Miami, what you got, Trent? I take Miami, Jay Cutler, and. Uh, Gase will right the ship and take down the Mariota list Titans. All right. I'm going to go exactly the opposite because I think Adam Gase, I think the heat starts getting turned up on him right now. Some of the things that I'm seeing from Adam Gase, the things I'm hearing, things I'm reading, I'm, I'm beginning to believe he's lost control of that team, and I'm not sure that he has the type personality to, uh, to get it back. 
And he's one of these guys, I think, that went down there and tried to run his team as if he had a little bit of a track record he doesn't necessarily have. And it happens to coordinators all the time. He may be the latest victim in this. Uh, almost unfair that he didn't get a fair shake, but it, who knows? He's Miami. Got, he's got a track record leash. now. Yeah, he does, and uh, may not be able to outlive it. So, L.A., New York. This is the L.A. Charger types. It's hard for me not to say San Diego, but it's hard for me to believe that Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers going into week five don't have a single W between them. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. 0-4. And these are two teams, I, I don't know that anybody had them, you know, picked and headed for the Super Bowl, but 0-4 out of the gate for the Giants and the Chargers, yeesh, where are you going with here? Uh, I'll, Let's see, where? I, <laughs> They're I, at I just New York. Go, yeah, it's hard. It's in New York, and I'll just go to, with New York because All there's right. some travel involved there. Anybody got any deeper insight than that? Because I don't. These are two teams that are seem to be pretty good. They just have managed to get in the I'll tell you column. one thing, though, about the Chargers. It is amazing. Did anybody see Phillip Rivers not having any playoff success? I mean, he's had virtually none. Well, yeah, I haven't none. seen him have any playoff success. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, he was – I think he's still probably one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league, and he they and he had Ladanian Tomlinson, and they've never been able to do anything. It happens. I'm a Tony Romo. Yeah, but at some point, if he doesn't, Matthew Stafford, if he doesn't win any playoff games or whatever, he's not going to be a top ten quarter. I mean, well, I mean, he has played his career as a top ten quarterback in the NFL, and just has not managed to have much playoff success. I mean, that it's he's not alone in that. You know, and what's playoff success? Who really cares if you won a couple of playoff games? Quarterbacks are measured by the number of Super Bowl trophies they've got on their mantle. And if you don't have one, you've not been an elite quarterback unless your name's Dan Marino. He's just busy having his 15th kid. All right, we got it. Yeah, right? Woof. Yeah. All right, so 10 seconds apiece. Arizona, Philly. Philly. Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown flips the bucket, Pittsburgh. Man, he lost his mind this weekend. I think that Pittsburgh's going to destroy Jacksonville. Oakland hosts Baltimore. Ooh. Oakland, man, Derek Carr, if he doesn't get back soon, Oakland could be a train wreck. That was a team that was a sexy pick for the Super Bowl. They face a Baltimore defense that's no joke. They better have Carr back, but I'm hey, still going to take Oakland. Hey, Marshawn, what kind of dance are you going to break out now? Baltimore. All right, Seattle, Los Angeles. Seattle's going in there, and I think there's a new sheriff in town. The L.A. Rams, I think, are going to prove that to the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. You've got Green Bay, Dallas. Green Bay. Green the Bay. The last of the meet. Wow, you got no love for Dallas. Kansas City, Houston. KC. Ooh, and then on Monday night, Minnesota with Chicago in a real dog of a matchup for Monday night, frankly. Mitch Trubisky getting the start, baby. On Monday night. That's yep. a lot of pressure. We'll right. see how it works out. Minnesota. Now we're about to pivot from American football to what the rest of the world knows is football. Food to Run bar. that tape. That's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. Well, a long ball through. Oh, my God. On the phone with me, the illustrious Major James Terry. What do you got for us, James? Morning, Chief Cedars. This week for your soccer fix, we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about the U.S. 
soccer identity. We're going to start this off with a quote. The quote comes from Jurgen Klinsmann as he was a coach. I don't care if a kid grows up in an American family in Tokyo or in Johannesburg or in Buenos Aires. If he is eligible for us and has interest to play for us, we will talk to the kid. The senior national team will look like what America looks like. It's a melting pot. And I think this is wonderful. End quote. I give you guys that quote because that's exactly what it is. For so many years, we've continued to debate what is the U.S. national team's identity? What are we as U.S. soccer? But we're everything. For so long, we've been a melting pot from immigrants coming in from Colombia, Germany, Canada, England, Scotland, El Salvador, Liberia, to name a few, and all featuring at some point for the U.S. men's team. Once we, as a team, stop worrying about us having a separate identity from what other teams in the world have, whether it's the same mechanical precision of the German team or it's the, the physical defensive play of the English team or it's the passionate aggression of the Mexican team or the speed of attack that we see with the West Indies team. We're all of these things. The U.S. is absolutely everything that we are as far as us being a nation. We combined everything that we have in nation to make this huge melting pot of different styles of play. One game we can play defensive. One game we pure purely attacking. One day we're creating. One day we're playing the Pana soccer. One day we're playing the Jurgen Press. Jurgen Press. I'm sorry. One day we're just playing tiki taka. We can do all of these things. My argument to you is this. So many times we argue and try to figure out what exactly we are and accept, instead of accepting who we are. Who we are is all of those things combined. My thought is this. Once we as American soccer decide to accept the fact that we're a multinational and multidimensional team, we will be able to play as a multidimensional team. We can play the tiki-taka ball. But then we can transition back to the defensive or we can play like the Mexicans play with the pure aggression and pure passion. One thing that I do know that we as American soccer do have and will always have is true passion and true grit for the game. Our team will never give up. We may lose. We may get our butt handed to us, but I can guarantee you it will be a fight. Let me know your thoughts, guys. This has been your Soccer Fix. Brandon, any closing thoughts? Oh, we were just talking about it. And now that we're on the tail end of soccer, went to see Alex Morgan in person. (laughs) One of my personal heroes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not trying to be a cad. You did say you wanted her jersey. I I really did. And at some point, I am going to hang one here. I want to be like the first guy that I know to wear a female jersey just to represent. Because I I love the U.S. women's national team. I think Alex Morgan is like a hero. She is. And... I, you know, she's not – she's easy on the eyes, but I will tell you, my daughter – no Could you? My daughter looked at me. She's about to turn 14, and she was like, meh. Mm. Mm. Not impressed. Wow. <laughs> but she scored the second goal for the uh, the, the Orlando team. So uh, Orlando's she, loaded. Yeah, they are. The, she's not even, I don't think, the best. Number six, I can't remember her name, but she plays midfield. 
that that woman is out of sight, out of sight. And I mean, by the way she plays, Chris. They have like four or five national women, like well, if you on were that, choose on a the team, Orlando if team. you were if you were a national level player, world class, and you had to choose a city to play soccer in, Orlando would probably be pretty near the top of the list. No, no the slight pride. against anybody else. The pride. The Orlando Pride, is that what it's called? Yeah. That's awesome. I'll see if I can get number six. Here. And I will, I'll tell you, the, cur- the Courage, that's a big operation there, man. There were people tailgating. I didn't expect the crowd that came. A lot of people came from, to see Morgan, but there's a lot of diehard fans that go see those guys. All right, speaking of diehard fans, I told you I went to the Duke-Miami game on Friday night. I have to say huh. this, Duke fans, if you're still listening, when your team has the ball – that's not when you show your support and make as much noise as you possibly can <laughs> leading up to the snap. I know you're a basketball school, and I know this whole football thing is kind of foreign to some people, but you want to be quiet so that your offense can communicate <laughs> before they snap the ball. When the other team has the ball, right. that's when you make oh. all your noise, not start and, engaging in a conversation about, you know, whatever philosophy or rocket it. science with your neighbor. I didn't know that. And definitely don't be quiet when they're playing the Miami fat fight song on a loop in your house. Well, here's <laughs> look, I'm not going to I want to say that the music choices for Duke are interesting, but my favorite part of Duke football now is that they do a don't stop believing karaoke where the entire place sings oh, nice. don't stop believing. Oh, oh. Right, yeah. well, that journey. would be cool. Well, when you're journey. 30 points down, how does that feel though? <laughs> right? Yeah. You may want to do it before the start of the fourth quarter where you're, I mean, hopelessly beaten by that point. So it was mm. a little anticlimactic. But anyway, I we had a great time. And, and no lie, Wallace Wade is it's, absolutely one of the most beautiful facilities to watch a football game at. Ever. It's you, nice. You cannot find a bad seat in that place. You can see everything from everywhere. It's awesome. Now, they, if they're going to continue to put up good football teams, they probably need to expand the concessions a little bit because that's a disaster. But in terms of aesthetics, that's as good as it gets. It's a really nice place to watch a ball game. And I don't know, but I've heard that place is really easy to sneak potentially adult beverages into. I don't know that personally, <laughs> but I've heard – that it's yeah. real easy to. And you this might have is in to- no way, shape, or form us condoning the practice. I will say that they're not as tight as security as you might face other places. But maybe they just say they know what they're about to witness, and they're like, uh, go ahead and sneak you some liquor in there. Look, again, yeah. good ball club. Coach Cutcliffe doing his thing out there. It's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Um, Miami just got the better of them. We will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out, guys. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.